You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm going to be sharing with you why I believe that osteoarthritis, your wear and tear disease of the joints, is actually diabetes of the joints. I've thought this for a long time. I've seen this clinically. Some of the data was speculative back when I was in practice. And as of more recently, we've had more data come out absolutely tying the two together. Diabetes type 2 and osteoarthritis are one and the same. The root cause of diabetes is insulin resistance, type 2. I'm talking about type 2 here. Although there is a tie-in, just for everyone out there, I know the the type 1 mamas love to come at me, and I get it. You guys are protecting your children. I grew up in a family with a type 1 diabetic in the house, in the family. I understand. Same rules apply, though. These folks love to fight with me about it, but the same rules apply. If you're type 1 diabetic, unless your blood sugars are very intimately contained, and even then, Shooting insulin can lead to all kinds of issues that are low grade and subtle. So I'm not trying to scare anyone, but don't come at me and try to tell me that they're not the same because the way that insulin acts in the body, the way that blood sugar dysregulation acts in the body. So if you're a type one diabetic, really well controlled, not really needing a lot of insulin, great. If you're needing a lot of insulin or you're not well controlled, your blood sugars are not well controlled, uh, all the rules apply to what I'm talking about here. Type two is lifestyle-induced diabetes. It is 100% lifestyle-induced. It is 100% contingent on you implementing the appropriate lifestyle solutions to getting it under control. Those solutions I've covered in detail in so many of my episodes. I don't want to belabor them here, but you get you know the jam. It's all the things. Going to bed on time, lifting weights, eating adequate protein, reducing your stress, going for walks, really optimizing your sleep, making that a priority, you know, all the things. Anyway, go back and listen to any one of my other episodes and I talk all about it. I've also got the Metabolic Revamp Toolkit that you can grab at my website at drtina.com. It's inexpensive and it gives you all the information you need to get started. So osteoarthritis and diabetes type 2 have very similar mechanisms. This 2020 paper came out and pretty much, you know, summarizes it all for us. So the title is Insulin Resistance and Osteoarthritis, Similar Mechanisms to Type 2 Diabetes Mellitus. This was in the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism and published in May of 2020. And what they found was that not only are these two of the most chronically widespread diseases, they're severely damaging and costly to the person's quality of life, as well as to Uh, the medical system. So osteoarthritis and type 2 diabetes have common epidemiologic traits. They are both developed through the interaction of genetic and environmental factors and have common risk factors. I'm just, that's the nice way of putting it. These are both lifestyle diseases. I was taught back in chiropractic college and in naturopathic school that osteoarthritis was a condition of wear and tear. And you'll find that in the literature right up until most recently. It's a wear and tear condition. And while that makes sense, because we do see more severe osteoarthritis in those that are walking around with more weight on their bodies, so obviously more prevalent in the obese population, guess what else is super prevalent in that population? Diabetes type 2. And so is it the chicken or egg? Is it the excess weight wearing down the cartilage? Or is it the low-grade inflammation due to the diabetes and the elevated insulin levels that are melting the joints? I think it's the latter. And I think once you have that starting, that cocktail 
brewing. You know, when insulin is high in the joint, all kinds of problems happen. We have the data. We get all kinds of inflammatory markers inside the joint, interleukins, cytokines, and we get a thickening of the synovium, the synovial capsule. This is the work I did for a decade. This is what I specialized in was regenerative injection therapies. You can go back and listen to the other episodes of this series. This is part of my orthopedic medicine is a scam series. And so I want to have you go back and listen to the first couple of episodes in the series because I'm tying all of this together for you. But I started seeing a very specific clinical picture in my osteoarthritis patients. They weren't all obese. I never claim that that is the case. I do think that those who are obese and overweight are definitely asking for diabetes type 2 to eventually set in, and it will happen. It's just a matter of time. But I've seen this in really lean folks as well. And often those folks will have a carbohydrate or sugar addiction. They just continue to remain lean. The bone-on-bone phenomena, though, when the cytokines and the inflammatory markers and the interleukins and all of those start to elevate inside the joint, the cartilage becomes inflamed, the chondrocytes, which are the little cells that your cartilage is made out of, they start to die off and become haphazard in there because they can't handle all of that inflammatory cocktail swimming around in that closed contained environment. And yes, the synovium, which is your joint capsule, that it's permeable. Stuff can get in and out, but for the most part, it's somewhat of a contained space. And so the cartilage is degrading, the synovial capsules thickening. I can feel it under my needle when I inject the patient's joint. It's really characteristic. It's really, really painful for them as I approach that inflamed capsule. And this person sitting in front of me generally looks like they probably have some blood sugar dysregulation. How can I tell? Gosh, that's a whole other episode. And I don't know if I could teach that. It's just call it my spidey sense. I just see metabolic syndrome walking. (laughs) It's so prevalent. It's probably a hundred, almost a hundred percent of US adults at this point. A study that came out in 2021, 2022 showed that as of 2018, 94% of US adults had cardiometabolic dysfunction. And I'm sure it's so much worse since lockdown. So Chances are high that you are dealing with this if you're listening to this and you're an adult in the U.S. And is this happening outside of the U.S.? You betcha. Countries like India have massively huge high diabetes 2 rates. Mexico has high rates. Anywhere carbohydrates are prevalent, you're going to find a propensity for type 2 and you're going to find a propensity for osteoarthritis. All right. So OA is manifested as joint disease, right? And it's slow onset. It's most prevalent in women. It really ramps up in that middle-aged female because estrogen is protective of both insulin resistance and of the damage that happens inside the joint. So once a woman is stepping into perimenopause, menopause, she's definitely going to present more with joint issues. And that's usually when osteoarthritis takes its stronghold. Just to back up, and I don't want to go into it too much, but I think of the joints, the muscles, and the bones as BFFs. And you've heard me say this before. So if you've got osteoarthritis brewing in the joint, I promise you your adjacent bones are in trouble and your musculature is in trouble. That whole inflammatory cascade is going to induce sarcopenia. It's going to lead to bone degradation. And so when somebody has osteoporosis, I say they have diabetes of the bones. And when they have osteoarthritis, I say they have diabetes of the joint. And usually one precipitates the other. And it's just how it goes. So this is why I'm so adamant about you guys 
following a lower carbohydrate, high protein lifestyle and making sure that you get strength training prioritized because we are, as you can tell, if you go back and listen to any of my episodes, particularly these ones in the orthopedic saga, <laughs> you'll see that we are we are combating muscle loss at every corner. We just really are. It, once you pass 30, you are losing muscle and we are battling sarcopenia all the time. And so we strength train. This is why we strength train. If you've followed me for any amount of time, you know that I'm constantly beating the drum on having optimal metabolic health, especially as we age, especially as we are walking into menopause and andropause. Hands down, my favorite biohacking device for this is the NutriSense Continuous Glucose Monitor Program. This program comes complete with an awesome app that shows you all the graphs, registered dietitians that are experts in helping you interpret that information, and they get how I suggest eating, like they get it. They're on the tip. There's a Facebook group for accountability and community and so much more. The NutriSense CGM program will help you make better lifestyle choices that may help you avoid chronic conditions down the line. 94% of Americans have busted metabolisms, guys. This is a problem. I've teamed up with NutriSense and they are generously giving listeners of the Dr. Tina show $30 off any subscription to any of their programs right now. Well, I highly suggest committing to three to six months of this. I myself do it quarterly. My metabolism is pretty dialed in. Even if you do it for a month, regardless, you get two monitors per month. They've got 14 days use on them. They're painless. They're easy to apply. You hardly know they're even there. Use the link in the show notes and use the coupon code Tina D-R-T-Y-N-A, to get $30 off your first subscription. I highly suggest you give this a try, especially if you're trying to make 2023, like I am, the hottest and happiest year yet. All right, so as pathological insulin resistance is viewed as a driving force of type 2 diabetes development, now in this study, they presented evidence that the molecular and cellular metabolic disturbances associated with osteoarthritis are linked to an insulin resistant state similar to type 2 diabetes inside the joint. The alterations in cellular energy requirements associated with insulin resistance could affect many metabolic changes in the body that eventually result in pathology and can serve as a unified mechanism that also functions in many metabolic diseases. You see, this is why I harp on metabolic health because it's the harbinger of all the bad things. It's the beginning of the problem. It's the beginning of a very profitable journey for big pharma. You all having low-grade insulin resistance and progressing into type 2 diabetes is extremely profitable for big pharma because it doesn't kill you quickly and it leads to all of these other issues. So we've talked about cardio cardiovascular. I've done several episodes on cardiovascular health and metabolic dysfunction. And I've talked to, in the past, Dr. Sean Baker about this topic to some degree. And he shared his experiences as an orthopedic surgeon and what he saw in the metabolically busted patients that he had. And now I'm sharing with you here how it intimately relates to the pathophysiology of osteoarthritis in particular, when you've got this rock and high levels of insulin in the body. They present as chronic disorders Primarily, again, in women, it's considered a major reason for disability and economic losses in almost half of adult osteoarthritis patients. Uh, They're limited in their everyday activities and restricted in their working capacity. Diabetes is associated with an increased incidence of death and serious side effects such as stroke, chronic kidney disease, amputation of the lower extremities. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit. Going further into the study, they talk about obesity and its implications. And again, is it chicken and egg? Is it obesity driving 
the pressure on the chondrocytes. So your chondrocytes in your joints form your cartilage and they need some level of stress on them to be healthy. So they need some pressure, but they don't need too much. So unfortunately, what we've got is a society that's super, super deconditioned and non-active. And then when they do walk around on their knees or their hips, they're often carrying excessive weight on top of those joints. I think that the outlook for hip and knee replacements in the near future are going to be just devastating to our medical system. It was bad enough when we were looking at the statistics on the boomers, but this whole new generation coming up are somewhat epigenetically inclined towards obesity and insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome because there are a few generations in of being born to moms who were in that current pathophysiologic state when they were pregnant. And so genetically, they're somewhat tagged. I, I know it's bad news and you guys don't want to hear it, but I've I've looked at the data. It's really depressing. So I don't think there's any way to turn this ship around, to be totally honest with you. I think that these kids that are born of the obese, diabetic mom um, are have way higher propensity for obesity and diabetes themselves. And so it's going to be a really uphill battle and potentially a losing battle for those folks. And people always want to say, well, can we turn this around? Maybe if we started 20 years ago, you know, we saw this happening in the late 90s, really evidently in the late 90s, the early 90s, it became somewhat obvious, Got things got really clear by the late 90s for many of us that were paying attention. And I've been trying to, you know, beat this drum and then the health at every size movement came in, which I get it, love your body wherever you're at, but that doesn't mean that it's healthy in the respect of what's happening to your cardiovascular system, what's happening in this insulin resistant metabolic syndrome state, what are your joints going to look like in 30, 40 years? It's really, this is, this is really a tough one, you guys. And I think we're going to see a lot of folks, young folks getting their hips and knees replaced. And the unfortunate part about that is those replacements only last so long and then you have to do it again and you can't do more than about two hip replacements in your life. So you want to have these things happening way later in life. You know, we want to get you as far as you can. That's why last week's episode or two weeks ago, sorry, the last episode in this series of orthopedic medicine as a scam was all about regenerative medicine. One of the big reasons I did regenerative medicine was because I could give joints longevity. And so my goal was like, hey, yeah, you might need a replacement in the near future, but let's give you as many years as we can buy you. So if we can do a couple rounds of regenerative injection therapies, and go back and listen to that episode because I go in deep about the different types. But if we can buy your joints a few years then and push off that surgery as long as possible, then we're good. And in some cases, I pushed it off until the patient was elderly and, and passed away from old age or from something else. But we were able to keep them out of having a major joint replacement surgery. These are not simple surgeries for, you know, for as simple and like, oh, just drive through and get a new knee. It's not like that. It's a big deal. And often there's complications of infection in the joints. You are on antibiotics for the rest of your life. Every time you have a dental procedure or any kind of invasive procedure that might compromise or seed the joint with infection. So you're looking at a life of more antibiotics than you would otherwise, definitely. And Again, you can only have a couple of them. And if you're having them as you're older and more frail, the chances of getting pneumonia while in the hospital or any number of 
complications can happen. So we don't want people just thinking that's the easy solution. It's it's a solution. It's not an easy solution. And while some folks definitely have great outcomes and have a improved quality of life after the joint replacement, knowing that your osteoarthritis is likely a diabetic situation or an insulin resistant situation brewing, maybe that can empower folks to take the horse by the reins and get this under control because I don't know what else will. I came out gunning at the beginning of COVID sharing that those who were metabolically busted are having a much, much harder time with COVID. And we had the data early on out of China about diabetes type two and the implication on those with COVID. I would think that the real risk of death would motivate people, but it didn't. In most cases, it did nothing. Most people gained a much more weight over the pandemic, over lockdowns, and um, that just potentiated things. And then, and I got, you know, of course, they didn't want that information getting out. So I got viciously attacked. You guys have hell, probably heard that story. And then the real concern of obesity, like I would think at some point vanity would kick in and people would say, you know, I don't like the way I look. And that's okay. If you do like the way you look, great. Uh, do, do you hurt though? Do things hurt? Are you having other health issues arise? Because usually that comes along with it. Maybe some, one of the common ones I would see when folks would start gaining weight is a propensity for candida of the skin. So they'd start getting, you know, rashes in their armpits and in their groins and anywhere their skin would rub. And so I'm not trying to shame anybody here, but if all of that isn't motivating, then there's the real risk of cardiovascular disease, which is, in my opinion, the cardiovascular disease in this country is being treated as such when really it's a metabolic dysfunction problem. I mean, it's due to a lot of things, but the root cause on a huge scale is metabolic dysfunction. That's why your blood pressure goes up. That's why there's heart disease. That's why a lot of these troubles are happening. But that didn't seem to motivate people. So perhaps the real risk of having your joints melt on you, maybe that'll be the motivating factor that somebody needs to hear in order to take the bull by the horns and really kick their ass in gear, you know? So I could go through this study for you. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so you guys can look at it. But just know that insulin is a universal regulator of cellular metabolism. And when you look at what insulin itself does in the joint, I've mentioned some of it, that in and of itself is one mechanism. And then there's just this cellular metabolism in general, the turning on of genes, the turning off of genes, um, transcription, mRNA stability, translation on a genetic level, all of phosphorylation, all of these really important genetic and biochemical processes that are going on that are, we're just starting to understand are intimately related to joint health. Those are all impacted by the circulating levels of insulin. And so we don't want a body under full bore insulin resistance. That's not a great place to be for anybody. And, you know, the long-term results are blindness and kidney failure. Why do you think dialysis clinics are popping up all over the country? I don't know about you, but I see them in mini malls everywhere. If people understood what that meant, they would be terrified. It means kidney failure. Why are we having such a high level of kidney failure that we can actually financially support dialysis clinics in, in strip malls everywhere. I mean, put two and two together, guys. It's because folks are so metabolically busted that they're heading headlong into kidney failure. And a life on dialysis is no life at all. And we know that, I mean, yet again, those with kidney issues have joint issues, right? So 
I guess what I'm trying to get at without going belaboring the point and going too far into the science is it's the fact that we're looking at all of these issues and conditions as isolated events, right? That's how allopathic medic, uh, medicine functions, send you to this specialist and that specialist and that specialist. And none of these specialists really sit down and talk. So not to say they don't communicate, but they're not having like a powwow about your health. Your endocrinologist is not sitting there like belaboring the point after hours with your you know, orthopedic surgeon. They're just doing what they have with the hammer that they have. And so what if, I pose the question, what if all of these conditions had one underlying root cause and that was metabolic dysfunction? And I know that on the Instagrams, people want to talk about parasites and mold and all of these other like infectious processes. It's really easy to point the finger Well, just for a minute, consider, would you be so easy to infect and have organisms hanging around if you were metabolically sound? That's the question I pose. That's the first thing I think of when I have my colleagues contact me and say, I've got this really complicated case. What do you think? And I'm like, are they saunaing and are they lifting weights and are they eating meat and are they sleeping and are they getting out in the sun? Because if they're not doing that, I don't give a hoot about what parasites, lime, mold, I don't care. And I know people will scream, but I'm too sick to do those things because I have parasites and lime and mold. I get it. I was too. I've been there. It starts with crawling. If you have to crawl, it starts with, you know, I've, I've gone over this. I did a whole episode. I think it's episode 79, all about how I, it's titled crawling out of chronic pain. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. So I get it. I, I, I don't have any tolerance for excuses though, because what are you going to do otherwise? I mean, are you going to let it get worse? Because that's what's going to happen. It's just going to get worse. Same thing with your osteoarthritis. It's just going to get worse if you don't take the root cause and address it. And the root cause, in my very strong opinion, and what the data is backing up is that it's insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is the number one preventable lifestyle-induced disease in the country. And it is the leading cause of all of these other conditions that Americans are dropping dead from. Looking at a study from June, back in June 2016, in addition, the inflammatory contribution of diabetes to osteoarthritis is supported in the observation that in knee osteoarthritis, persons with diabetes have more effusions and synovitis, which are independent of BMI. So again, it's not necessarily about weight. The weight factor is the the fat cells secrete cytokines. It's like wearing around a suit of inflammation, especially if you have visceral fat, you are literally inflammation factory and it will get worse as you age for sure. And so that's one mechanism. But and the other mechanism obviously is the weight of the body on those knees. And folks who are obese do have joints that wear out faster generally. But again, I, I propose, is it because they're rocking metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance and diabetes and prediabetes, all the same thing. When I say busted metabolism, I mean prediabetes and prediabetes means prediabetes. And really prediabetes is what's happening 10 to 15 years before you're lucky enough to get diagnosed with the number of 120 on your fasting glucose. And they say, oh, well, you have type two diabetes now. It's like, no, yo, you've been having this, this for 10, 15, 20 years. It's just been smoldering and all the same damaging impacts have been happening. So that's a that's a problem. Is there a link between diabetes and rheumatoid arthritis? Because I, I'm talking about osteoarthritis here. Absolutely 100%. There's a strong link between type 2 diabetes and rheumatoid arthritis flares because it's an immunomodulated disease process, right? And your insulin and your metabolic health are two sides of the same coin with your immune system. 
This is why those with metabolic dysfunction and diabetes had such a hard time with COVID and with everything else and with influenza and with cancer and with everything else. It's, it's nothing new. What about diabetes and psoriatic arthritis, which would be one of those HLA-B27 driven, um, enteropathic driven, inflammatory gut driven arthritis arthroses. <laughs> yes, there's a link. There's a strong link. And actually the link is interesting because it goes backwards. If you have psoriatic arthritis, you have a 40% increase higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes. But again, chicken and egg, right, is the lack of movement from the pain of the psoriatic arthritis and then that immune because there is an immunoregulatory feature to type 2 diabetes. It's not just straight up as simple as we'd like it to be. There's, there's an immunological component. And so who knows? But I would say probably the psoriatic arthritis patients' immune system's all flared up. They are potentially not moving as much because they're in horrific pain. And then same thing with rheumatoid arthritis. And then they gain weight and then the insulin resistance and on and on, right? Let's see. So let's see. This study was... Insulin signaling in arthritis, this came out in April of 2021. So you can see the data is finally catching up with what a few of us were seeing clinically for years. I I could tell you stories. I would tell these patients, they'd come in, I could tell they had insulin resistance just by looking at them, whether they were thin and lean or carrying excess weight, it didn't matter. I could just see it. And I'd start asking them questions and everything would add up. And I'd say, you know, I think you have metabolic syndrome. I think that's driving your pain and your joint degeneration. And we really need to get that under control instead of just throwing expensive stem cells at you or platelet-rich plasma or dextrose prolotherapy. How about we address the root cause of the fire and, uh, you know, handle it? And they'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with me. My doctor never told me I had diabetes. And I'm like, okay. And to me, that's just silly to inject those folks because they might get transit, you know, transitory pain relief, but they are not going to get lasting improvement. It's not going to remain. It's not going to, the regeneration isn't going to progress. So I don't think it's ethical to do, but doctors will do it every day. So, all right. So this study, in summary, Through its integrated signaling network, insulin itself regulates intracellular and intercellular pathways in the immune cells, in cartilage, and in synovial tissue, behaving as a crucial modulator of the inflammatory response observed in arthritis. Finally, in robust in vitro, that's in a test tube, and in vivo, that's in animals, evidence outlines the effects of glucose-lowering therapies for arthritis. So metformin is a really popular anti-arthritis, or I'm sorry, anti-diabetes drug, and they will use that and it will help people with osteoarthritis to some degree. So really, really interesting stuff and we'll see where it goes. Another study that I was looking at today was, I don't know if you heard about this, it came out in January, 2023, fairly recent, and I've seen it all over the Instagrams and the social media world, but they're In this study, they showed that women who undertook hormone replacement therapy in midlife, the average age being my age right now, uh, around four, well, a little younger than me, 48.7 years, was associated with a 26% reduced risk of dementia compared to a 48% increased risk when HRT was initiated in later life. The only reason I share this is to go back to that estrogen piece where estrogen is protective to your joints. If you are walking into perimenopause and if you're starting to have some joint pain, I highly encourage you to work with somebody who can help you figure out your hormones and 
get some bioidentical hormone replacement therapy on board. It can make a huge difference. I personally just started bringing back a little bit of estrogen and I've used estrogen in tiny doses on and off. And while I know estrogen can be a tricky one, big fan of progesterone. I had quit progesterone and I had quit estrogen and it really started to show itself most notably as musculoskeletal pain. And that's something I saw in a lot of patients, a lot, a lot of patients. My whole practice was regenerative injection therapies and hormone replacement because the two go so intimately together. So if you are a midlife woman or man, and especially if your joint pain's starting to creep up on you, I highly encourage you to get on hormone replacement therapy early because earlier than later, because not only will it help your joints, but this was showing a significant reduced uh, risk of dementia. Our brains need the hormones as well, folks. So that's it. That's what I wanted to share with you. Went over a couple different mechanisms. This is why I think orthopedic medicine is a scam because they have a one-size-fits-all model, which is I have a hammer. My hammer is cortisone injections. My hammer is imaging, which is going to be the next part in the series that I cover. My hammer is surgery. And while I honor those physicians, and I know that that is an art and a skill set, and I'm in no way dogging the orthopedic doctors themselves, they use the tools they were trained to use and they use them well and I'm grateful for them. I've seen them work small miracles on many people that I love when they've had detached tendons or needed a joint replacement, etc. What I'm telling you is that that's all they have. And even in the regenerative medicine space, which is a couple episodes back, listen to that one, they only have a few tools and they'll throw them at you all day without looking at the individual and saying, huh, you've got a fire brewing and we can do all this stuff to try to smolder the fire down to a dull roar, but you're going to keep having that fire blow back up and continue to melt your joints, literally melt your joints. Insulin resistance is melting your joints and nobody ever talks about that. And that is why I think so much of orthopedic medicine is a scam uh, between the imaging and the limited tools and even the limited knowledge of it all amongst orthopedic surgeons and inside of the alternative medicine space. The chiropractors don't know what I just told you. I raised my hand constantly in chiropractic college and I was like, what about this? What about this? And it was just, nope, it's wear and tear. It's wear and tear, adjust them, you know, maybe give them an anti-inflammatory diet at best. The naturopathic doctors know very little about orthopedic medicine and have very little training in that at any of the schools. So there's a couple (laughs) that do better than others. I'm gonna give them props where props are due. But my point is, is, I can't tell you how much heat I took way back in the day for running in serum insulin, fasted serum insulin on every patient. And people would say, you do musculoskeletal medicine. Why are you running these labs on people? And I'm like, because it's all metabolic syndrome, yo. That's the root cause. That's what's driving their joint pain. That's what's driving these problems. Even to the level of losing the integrity and the stretchiness of your tendons and ligaments, those tissues need estrogen. They need thyroid hormone. They need a balance. And your hormones are going to get completely destroyed by that low-grade metabolic uh, syndrome and insulin resistance. And you can hear me talk all about that on my last episode I did with uh, one of the dietitians, Catherine from NutriSense. We talked all about training for menopause because these hormones and this metabolic health is so critical as we age for all of our body systems, including most notably what I care about, which is the musculoskeletal system, because that's where I specialize. On that note, listeners of my show, of the Dr. Tina show, can get $30 off any subscription with NutriSense. NutriSense is a continuous glucose monitor uh, program, and it's a little wearable device that 
for 14 days will track in real time what your blood sugars are doing. And I cannot suggest this more highly. It was mind-blowing for me. It You can go back and listen to other episodes and listen to me go on and on about how helpful it's been for me, but it showed me what my sleep was doing to my blood sugar handling, what my stress was doing, obviously what my foods were doing, what my exercise was doing. Really, really interesting information. One of my favorite biohacking devices out there, and I think everybody should slap one on for 14 days. If you really are in trouble and this episode has made you go, oh my gosh, this is what's going on with me, highly encourage you to consider a three or six month subscription to the program so you can get a lot more data. Each time you sign up for a subscription, you get access to their expert registered dietitians, such an amazing group of professionals. Every time I've worn one and been able to interact with them, I've gotten a different person. Really enjoyed all of them. Such a wealth of information. And they get it. They they get it. They get what we're laying down here. So I think you'll enjoy working with them. It's not like you're going to go in and they're going to give you the calories in, calories out, eat a bunch of fiber talk. You know, They're going to work with you on what you can do in your day to help improve your blood sugars in real time because the data is there right on the NutriSense app. It's so cool. Plus there's a Facebook community. So there's accountability and community in there. Anyway, Dr. Tina Show listeners get $30 off their first subscription. You can check out the link in the show notes and use code Dr. Tina upon checkout to get that discount, but make sure you use the link in the show notes for that. I hope this was helpful information. Again, there's a lot more biochemistry that goes into this, and I don't want to nerd out on you and make this a three-hour episode. I just want you to understand that we have plenty of data to support my hypothesis that I've been carrying around with me since the late 2000s, which is diabetes really is the root cause of your osteoarthritis in most cases. And with that, I will bid you adieu. I hope you guys will check out the podcast, other episodes. We'll link some pertinent ones in the show notes. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. If you subscribe anywhere, great. I appreciate it. If you subscribe on my Substack, you're going to be automatically sent an email each week when I launch this. And you do so, I think, on some of the other players. But my Substack is really where it's at because that's also my blog. And I, I throw down a lot of great content in there. I have a whole blog about metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance. And I tie in how I like to use the NutriSense program. So you guys can check that out over there on my Substack as well. We'll link it. So I appreciate you all and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. 
From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcast's top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology Podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.